Welcome to the Pod Control Podcast, brought to you by Red Hat. PodCTL is your source for containers, Kubernetes, OpenShift, and all things cloud native. Hello, Kubernetes community, and welcome back to Season 2 of the PodCTL Podcast. This is Episode 7. And in today's show, we're going to take a look at what are some of the technical skills or maybe uh, overall skills that are needed to be successful with Kubernetes and, and really make Kubernetes uh, something that can become a technical asset for your business, uh, help solve some specific business problems, make your developers more productive and so forth. You know, in past shows in this uh, season, we've looked at the Kubernetes architecture. We've looked at some of the types of applications that run well on Kubernetes and are helping to solve business problems. We've looked at, you know, how Kubernetes is created from a community model. We've looked at how people are acquiring Kubernetes or consuming Kubernetes. We've taken a look at what's both included and not included in Kubernetes. And most of those were very technical discussions. Now we're going to talk a little more about the people side of Kubernetes. And while this won't be a completely people and process centric thing, we'll look at technical skills. We do want to kind of talk about all the different aspects that are involved with making um, Kubernetes successful or as a engine for platforms that are successful. So I'm going to base this on kind of a bunch of uh, experience, having worked with a whole bunch of different kinds of companies in different industries um, as to what's made them successful. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the mistakes sometimes that, that companies make or people make in terms of the skills they need. So let's first talk just about kind of core technical skills that we see uh, people using uh, in conjunction with Kubernetes or around a platform that uses Kubernetes. So often what we find is a couple of different things. Uh, The first one is um, it kind of depends on who is driving the need to use Kubernetes. Um, In some cases, it will be your sort of central IT team, the team that runs infrastructure and security. And oftentimes what's happening is they're being told, hey, we need to use containers for our applications. This comes from the application team. And so the infrastructure team is being told, you need to make sure those are secure. You need to make sure they'll run and be highly available. And uh, we can deploy them on a frequent basis. And so oftentimes they're looking for a platform that will support at least containers as a service, right? Sort of basic core Kubernetes capabilities, things that will do deployments, uh, do replication. Um, And so we often see that as a starting point, one of many starting points. The second one is we will see uh, development teams, application teams say, hey, we are trying to build newer types of applications or modernizing applications. And what we really need is something that can be our deployment platform, but it will also integrate into the tools that we're using to be more uh, agile, uh, respond more quickly to software changes. So they're looking to plug into their CI and CD pipelines, into their developer tools, uh, make sure that uh, they can rapidly deploy, you know, canary deployments, A-B testing, all those sorts of things. A third area that you'll often see people get started with is you will see like your enterprise architecture team say, hey, we're being asked to figure out a cloud strategy. This could be a cloud first strategy, a hybrid cloud strategy, a multi-cloud strategy, whatever it might be. They're looking at Kubernetes as kind of a core piece of that strategy because they want portability, they want consistency of operations, they want consistency of security. Um, They may not necessarily understand all of the application requirements because they're sort of looking at what can we do now that will be applicable for the next you know, two, three, five, ten years. Um, so they're making some broader assumptions about what's going on. And then finally, you will often see um, your lines of business coming along. Sometimes your business leaders who say, hey, we have new ideas for the business. Um, we know that in order to implement those, we're going to probably need some sort of technology platform, some sort of technology base to do that. It could be a new application. It could be you know, data analysis, whatever it might be. 
Um, and so what they're often looking for is how do I translate these business ideas we have and you know, who knows where they got started. They might've been on a back of a napkin. It could have been out playing golf. It could be, you know, at the bar, it could be wherever. And they're often coming along saying, Hey, we want to do these things. And we would like to see these certain characteristics, right? Scalable, you know, able to adjust all those sorts of things, right? So what you might see is, is a lot of different groups having a need for Kubernetes, uh, or at least the output of their need translates to Kubernetes. And so the question becomes, you know, what skills do the company potentially need in order to be successful if they choose Kubernetes as the core of what they're building for their platform? So let's start with a few basic skills, right? Um, for the team that actually manages the infrastructure and the platform, what they're going to be looking for is a couple of things. Uh, the first decision that's often made is, is, you know, should the Kubernetes platform be kind of thought of as infrastructure or should it be thought of as a platform? And I think this is kind of an important discussion. Um, if you think about it as infrastructure, it tends to get sort of lumped in with whatever existing infrastructure constructs and process and time and so forth um, that that exists today. So if you are able to provision infrastructure really quickly, you're able to make changes to infrastructure, um, then maybe it makes sense for Kubernetes to kind of be integrated with infrastructure. But if your team has to be more rigid with infrastructure, they're slow to deploy it, it takes a long time either for procurement or security or whatever else it is, then what you might think about is, you know, Kubernetes shouldn't be your infrastructure, it should be a sort of a platform on top of pools of infrastructure, right? And we often see this where, especially on-premises, customers will say, uh, we would like to deploy Kubernetes. Uh, we don't really want to deal with, you know, having long lead times for, say, virtual machines or something like that, or it takes a long time for my security team to, to validate, what, you know, what a new virtual machine looks like or something. So what we're going to do is we're just going to ask for some pools of those resources, and then we will deploy our Kubernetes platform on top of that. So that's one of those first decisions that kind of gets made. Um, usually what a platform team looks like is something like this. This is oftentimes the skill sets of successful platform teams. Um, they are going to have a certain amount of Linux expertise or Linux sysadmin expertise because obviously uh, kind of all the core technologies within Kubernetes are based on Linux. Um, they're going to have some sysadmin capabilities because they need to understand how to deal with patches and updates and, and you know, kind of frequently moving things. The next thing you often see is, um, you know, security type of skill set embedded within this team, right? And that is somebody who can understand sort of the shift left concept, right? Where security is um, earlier in the process. You're building some standards around, you know, how are we going to scan content? How are we going to sign content? How are we building, you know, making sure that communication within the platform is secured and data is encrypted and all those types of things. The next really important thing that we often see is uh, we see the CI and CD pipeline group um, be integrated as part of the platform team. Because ultimately, if the goal is to get software deployed more quickly and on a more regular basis, um, if you don't do CI and CD well, you don't do testing well, you don't do automated testing, you don't do automation well, um, nothing else is going to work in your sort of software supply chain. So that becomes another really, really critical, important component. And then, you know, that tends to be your team, right? You have sort of Linux uh, sysadmin capabilities, you probably have to have some ability to speak to the infrastructure, right? So you understand basic networking, you understand basic storage, you know, how do I request it? How will we integrate with it? You may not necessarily be that team. Uh, you understand security, you want to have that baked into the team, you want to have sort of CI and CD baked into the team, those types of skill sets. Um, and then you start to, you know, kind of get into how deeply integrated will your application teams be, right? Are you 
a DevOps team or an SRE team, okay, you're mostly dealing with the platform. You sort of take applications as they come, or are you more of a, you know, the application team builds it, they own it. And in which case you're probably going to have an even more blurred line of, you know, where does the application team stop and the platform team start. So uh, those are all things that you can kind of work out. It depends a little bit on your culture. It depends a little bit on the skill sets you have and really how rapidly you're going to be making changes to your applications. The next skill set that we often have is people will ask, well, should our developers have to learn about Kubernetes and containers? And this is one of those questions that, you know, there isn't really one right answer. Um, I've seen plenty of cases where uh, developers will say, I don't want to learn any of that stuff. I just want to write code. I want to push code. And I just want it to kind of get out into production. And that's almost more of a platform as a service PaaS-like functionality. And that's fine. There are some add-on capabilities uh, on top of Kubernetes. There's various projects that allow um, the building of those applications or the kind of interpretation of those applications to just flow into containers. Developers don't have to learn anything about containers or Kubernetes. Uh, The code just kind of gets into containers and that gets done. In other cases, they do want to learn about this. And if that's the case, there are, you know, not only can they kind of have access to raw containers, you know, pull them off of something like a Docker Hub or some other repository, Quay.io, uh, but they can, you know, they can kind of interact directly with the Kubernetes primitives. They might learn the Kubernetes API. That's perfectly fine. Um, but what you'll find is there's going to be a lot more variety in what developers want to do than what you sort of want your platform team to do. You want your platform team to be focused on sort of standardization. Uh, being able to be fast about you know making changes, being able to make sure that's secure, but they want to be able to deal with sort of any type of application. Developers are going to be all over the place, and by that I mean not that they're not you know have their their act together, but what a data scientist cares about and the way that they write what they need to do versus a Java developer versus a mobile developer, they're all going to be different. And you have to realize that you're probably going to have to deal with all of those skill sets um, and those types of applications. As a platform team, you want to be able to accept as many of those as you possibly can. Now, the final thing, um, if you are, you know, enterprise architecture team or you are somebody who is, you know, dealing with the public cloud and so forth, you're going to need those skills as well, right? So, you know, are you deploying on Amazon or Azure or Google or Alibaba or DigitalOcean? You're going to have to know something about those things. And the nice thing is, unlike in the on-prem environments where most of your on-prem stuff doesn't have a well-defined API, it isn't highly automated, at least by default, uh, in the public cloud, Almost all of those services, whether it's a load balancer or requesting new VMs or requesting storage or requesting, you know, or interacting with uh, identity management, all of those types of things are basically APIs. So, um, you know, that's where having an SRE team or a DevOps team, some people that understand programming will be part of your platform. Um, That's another important skill to have in order to make Kubernetes ultimately successful because it's going to run, you know, on the public cloud, interact with those services. So... Those are a lot of the things that you're going to need. The other thing that you're probably going to want to uh, really look at, and this is something I tell companies all the time, and they always look at me and think I have two heads, is at some point, you're going to want to be able to communicate the success that you have in building software faster. And this is going to sound like an evangelist job or a marketing job or a, you know, some sort of thing like that. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You want to be able to communicate out to your stakeholders, your customers, your internal customers, your external customers, what do you have available to them? How can you make them successful? What are the metrics that you use to communicate You know that you've moved the process forward, that you're able to deploy faster, that you're able to scale better? 
those are all kind of marketing skills. They're kind of evangelist skills. Sometimes you hear them as developer relations from different vendors or you know technical marketing. You have to kind of uh, develop those skills somehow within your organization because people are going to you're going to ask them to make an investment in your environment, and they want to know what returns they're going to get from those investments. So while there we talked about lots of technical skills to help make your Kubernetes group uh, successful, you want to make sure that you're also investing in some of those softer collaboration communication skills so that you can communicate to people what are you doing, what are you capable of doing. What are the results of the investments they're making? How are you proving out that you're you know, building software faster or better or more secure and that you're prepared to take on the next project? So with that, I'm going to kind of wrap it up. I uh, hope that gave you a kind of an overview of some of the skills that you need to be successful, some of the choices that you're going to make in terms of you know, what your team looks like. Is it an infrastructure integrated team? Is it a platform team? Is it a DevOps team where the application teams are you know, closer to the platform? All those are important decisions to make, um, and hopefully it helped you, you know, align to some of the skills that you may want to be investing in or doubling down on in terms of making sure you have those capabilities in-house. So with that, we're going to wrap up Episode 7 of Season 2 of PodCTL. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. On the last uh, show, Episode 8, we're going to really look at kind of how the Kubernetes ecosystems expanded, right? We looked at what's included, what's not included, but we're going to give you some sense of what are those things that aren't native in Kubernetes, aren't part of the Kubernetes project, but you should be paying attention to across the ecosystem. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, as always, for listening. Your feedback is always welcome, and we will talk to you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Pod Control Podcast. You can find everything about the show at podctl.com or at podctl on Twitter.